The question is not on number 84 path, it's on Sankara. We do the chanting Sabe Sankara Anichati. Sabe Sankara Dukati. But the third one, Sabe Dhamma Anatati. So why the third one is different? Uh, yes, good question. The Sankara that you chant, that is a big Sankara. That is not the Sankara of the aggregates. That's not the fourth aggregate, which is the Sankara. That one is just intention of volitional mental formations. This Sankara is the big Sankara, which includes anything that is a product of causes and conditions. When it comes to Anatta, not only are Sankaras Anatta, non-Sankaras are also Anatta. That's why it's Dhamma. For example, Nibbana. Nibbana is not a Sankara. It is not a product of cause and condition. It is the unconditioned. But it is also Anatta. It's not self. It's not mine, not me, not myself. There are other things as well. For example, the laws of nature. The law of Anicca, the law of Dukkha, the law of Anatta itself, that is also Anatta. These are not products of causes and conditions. It is an expression of the law of nature. So these are the things which are not Anicca and which are not Dukkha, but they are Anatta. So even Nibbana is not Anicca, Nibbana is not Dukkha. Nibbana is actually Nicca and it is Sukha, but it is also Anatta. So Anatta includes everything. You get it? I get this. That means Dharma is Sankara plus non-Sankara. Correct. Okay. So that part I got it, but I think those who know Chinese probably can understand it. Because we are talking about this for establishment. We have this called Chu Xing Wu Chang, which is Sankara is impermanence, and Chu Fa Wu is actually Dharma Anitati. I think in Chinese the word is like that. Okay. Okay, one more question is on, you have said so many times, on the four establishment of mindfulness, you mentioned is ardent, clear mindfulness, clearly aware, clearly aware, mindful, and mindful. So it's atapi, sampajana, and the word is satima. Yes. Firstly, I want to know is, explain a little bit what is Adan, Atapi. Adan means they are not lazy. La. <laughs> Putting in effort, being hardworking. Be real. Okay. Then, why is it Satima instead of Sati? You have to learn Pali grammar to understand that. <laughs> sati is a noun. Satima is somebody who has Sati. Okay? <laughs> Since you brought it up, if you have read the Satipatthana Sutta, under Kaya Nupasana, contemplation of the body, there's one exercise called clear comprehension. It's not I ask you when to be aware, when to be clearly aware. And it says when you are doing your daily activities, walking forward, looking front, and looking backwards, and all these things. But this is put under Kaya Nupasana. Only one place. No more Sambhajanya mentioned in all the other Satipatthanas. But in the stock introductory phrase, you have clearly aware for every Satipatthana. Every establishment of mindfulness for the body, for the feelings or mental states of the Dhamma, each of them has clear awareness. Sambhajanya there. So that's why 
Clear awareness should not be limited to just Kayan Upasana. So there's something wrong in the inclusion of clear awareness inside this Kayan Upasana. And the reason why it is included, I would think, is because all these things seem to be connected with the physical body, the physical activities. So they put it under Kayan Upasana. There's one inconsistency. Another one is that if you study the Anapanasati Sutta, the Buddha claims that if you practice Anapanasati, mindfulness of breathing, then you would have automatically practiced all the four Satipatthanas. And yet, in the four Satipatthanas, Anapanasati, the first tetrad of the Anapanasati is found only in Payanopasana. The others don't have. There are quite a number of other inconsistencies. These are the two major ones. Okay, anyone else? Bhante, inside one of the slides with the comparison of Samadhi and Vipassana, there's a mention on focus awareness and open awareness. There's a mention about it being brittle. The other one will be more powerful. You remember that one? Let me go back there and show you. Open awareness is more resilient. Then focus awareness is rather brittle. Why? Because this is a very common occurrence among yogis who practice focus awareness. When you practice focus awareness, you have to have a very controlled environment. You must sit in a quiet place, make sure nobody disturbs you because you want to focus on one single object. Supposing you manage to get that, after a period of hard work, you finally got your composure, your static serenity. And then somebody comes and opens the door and bangs it. Then you get very angry. You see, as I mentioned the other day, focus awareness teaches your mind to hold on to an object and don't let go. And also to magnify it or to concentrate on it. When sound disturbs you because you are so attached to that calmness, to that composure, then automatically you explode with anger. And that anger is also magnified. Because the mind has been trained to magnify things. That's why it's brittle. Now, open awareness is different. When you practice open awareness, you learn to let go. Free and easy, touch and go. Free and easy, touch and go. Whatever comes is okay. You don't choose. You accept all things. Whatever comes, you just notice, you let go. Even if you are meditating and your mind is already composed, people make a loud noise or so, it won't affect you. That's why it's resilient. I continue an experiment that was conducted many years ago in the US. They got some Zen practitioners who are practicing open awareness, I would think. And one of them was the Zen master. They were seated there and they were all wired because they want to see what's going on in their brains. So they were going through this period of meditation and giving them some time to settle down and get composed. And then they will be monitoring their brain waves. Then somebody would make a very loud noise. Then they could see some of the students, their brain wave spike. They were sort of startled by the noise. But the master, no difference. It was just like that. No spike. Only the disciples had spiked. <laughs> because his open awareness samadhi was strong. They are aware of everything, but they are not affected by any outstanding things. That's why it's resilient. On the other hand, 
focused awareness is more powerful in the sense of it's able to see things more minutely. I use a simile of different magnifying devices. You have a magnifying glass, you have a normal mechanical microscope, and you have an electron microscope. All of them are magnifying devices, but they magnify to different degrees. Some can see until almost the subatomic levels, some cannot. The question, of course, is to what degree of samadhi, of composure, does one need to be awakened? That really depends on the individual. Some individuals don't need very deep concentration, deep samadhi. Some individuals need only a modicum of composure in order to penetrate the Four Noble Truths. Some will need very, very high degree of samadhi. During the Buddha's time, I've said this again, I've said this very often, as far as I know, all the non-bhikkhus, non-renunciants, who got enlightened during the Buddha's time, did so when they were listening to a Dhamma talk, mostly by the Buddha. And the fire ascetics, one of the first disciples of the Buddha, all became arahants after listening to the fire sermon. They were nothing before that. A lot of lay people became Sotapan, Sakatagami, some became Anagami. Not in the fire sermon, but other sermons. So for these lay people, they don't need very, very strong samadhi. Some lay people, after they've listened to the Dhamma talk, they would reflect. As I understand the Dhamma taught by the Buddha, it's not easy living this constricted household life to practice the holy life completely. What if I were to go forth from home to homelessness, shave off my beard and my hair, put on a saffron road? They would renounce. And some of these, when they renounce, the Buddha would go through the gradual training, ask them to develop very deep levels of concentration of samadhi, They've developed the jhanas, developed the psychic powers before they get to do vipassana. So these are the people who need very, very strong concentration in order to penetrate the truth. Others, they don't need, they don't have to do any meditation retreat, they just listen to Dhamma talk and they really get enlightened. So it really depends on the individual. So you try out and see. You also have to look at your own resources, your time, your interest. Hope that answers the question. Anyone else? No? Then I'm going to tell you about tomorrow. Tomorrow you're going to have a sharing session, right? Each only two minutes, right? I'm telling you all this so that you can summarize. Or else, you know, you go on and on and on. I don't know how long it'll take. First, you give us your Dhamma background in brief, particularly in respect of meditation. What meditation you've done before in the past, how many years, and then... That's it, and then how you got into this one. Secondly, can you follow what is taught here or not? Thirdly, if cannot, why? If can, what do you get? What benefit? And then fourthly, how do you intend to apply in your daily life? And five, if you have time, probably you don't have, you got two minutes only. <laughs> you could have comments and suggestions on how to improve the teachings and the schedule here. Okay? 
So these are the things that you need to say. You need to summarize everything, so don't spend too much time on your Dharma background. You can't tell us all the other things. Something very brief. So tomorrow's program, you will tell them what, right? I'll see you tomorrow morning.